0: I V M
1: Welcome to episode forty-six of Edges and Sledges. We I've got my poca- co-podcasters <laughs> with
2: me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Should we just skip this?
2: <laughs> do you, do you want to try again, senior? The co-podcasters.
1: Co-podcasters. Okay, I have my... What do I call you guys? My friends.
2: Why don't you just call us your co-podcasters?
1: That's true. That's a good point. I'll start again. Welcome to episode 46 of Edges and Sledges. I've got my uh, co-podcasters with me, DJ in London and Ashwin in Cincinnati. And of course, I'm in Singapore. And we've just finished a pretty exciting series of New Zealand. And as DJ was just saying before we started, it's the end of our kind of tour down under. So time to head back to India after this. But today, we've got an exciting episode. We want to talk to you a little bit about the India New Zealand series, the the women's cricket as well as the men's cricket. We want to talk a little bit about the, the England West Indies series, as well as some of the interesting things that have happened in the recent Australia World Cup squad discussions and coach discussions. So Let's get right into it. DJ, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the India-New Zealand series so far. Five ODIs, India pretty dominant 4-1 and we had kind of lost the, the fourth game after Kohli left but but kind of pulled it back in the last one. So 4-1 victory there. T20s didn't go as well and according to plan, especially today, I think we saw a few guys play good cameos but uh, we lost the series 2-1 and I think we've lost an overseas T20 series after quite a long time. So, DJ, do you want to just talk a little bit about the India-New Zealand uh, series so far?
2: Yeah, sure, Varun. Thanks. So, where I think we left off in episode 43 before we put out our two special episodes was India was leading 2-0. It was looking like we were going to win. The third ODI came around and New Zealand put up two forty-three batting first. India chased that down with ease. Only three wickets down with quite a few balls remaining. The fourth ODI, missing Kohli because he'd gone back home. India collapsed for 92. Again, some excellent bowling from Trent Bowl. And New Zealand then chased that down very easily. So New Zealand won by eight wickets. And then in the final ODI, without Kohli again, India chose to bat first on a spicy deck. They were 18 for four before Raidu and Vijay Shankar put together a partnership. Raidu got 90. Vijay Shankar, unfortunately, got run out for 46. And then Chehal and Shami took wickets to lead India to another win. So we won by 35 runs. So a number of one-sided games there. So they weren't really very close games. And then moving into the T20 series, the first T20 again was one-sided with New Zealand putting together a a massive partnership, getting 219 for six. India were bowled out for 139, having a middle-order collapse. No one really got in and got runs. The second T20, again, India came back very well, bowled very well to restrict New Zealand to 158 and then chased those down with Pant and Dhoni doing the honours. And it was quite interesting watching the Master and apprentice go about things and they were there at the end and we won by seven wickets. Today, which is the Sunday, was the closest game of the entire tour actually where New Zealand batted first, put together a big partnership right at the top. They scored 212 for the loss of only four wickets. India were looking really good to chase that down. Uh, Vijay Shankar, Rohit Sharma got some runs. Pant was having a, a good innings and DK and Krunal came together and kind of smashed some sixes towards the end when we fell short by only four runs our fielding I want to point out was pretty appalling we dropped I think four catches of Hardik Pandya's bowling I mean Khalil Ahmed whatever he does with the ball I mean some of those catches and the fielding that he displayed in the series was pretty poor but anyway we ended up winning our first ever T20 in New Zealand I think but we still lost the series 2-1 so an interesting end to the series but the tour itself had a number of one-sided matches so that was slightly disappointing for me.
1: So, speaking on the third T20, there were actually two things that I wanted to discuss DJ. The first was Rohit Sharma's innings and I know I think he had 38 of 32 balls and we know Rohit Sharma is the type of batsman who needs a little time to get in and I have no doubt that if, if he's batted to the end, India would have won this game. But given the circumstances of chasing 10 and over, do you think that that was an innings that kind of slowed the entire tempo down and everyone around him had no choice but to just go for it?
2: So, look, in hindsight, I mean, you could probably say that was a match-losing knock, right? Like, but when it was being played, he was trying to rotate the rotate the strike. But the issue was, as someone, I think, Sunir pointed out on Twitter, is that he was patting full tosses out to cover for a single and stuff. I mean, if Rohit was just batting normally, if he was batting with Shikhar or somebody, he would just be hitting those for four because he would be the aggressor. It, it was almost like he decided he must rotate the strike and take singles and turn this over. He was almost overthinking his limited overs batting, which I mean, from his experience in test matches, Rohit Sharma should not be overthinking things. He's good at what he does. He's an excellent ODI and T20 player. He shouldn't be trying to manipulate and pace his innings and all of that stuff. He should just see the ball and hit the ball. That's what he does best. And I mean, scoring thirty-eight runs in five and a half overs when you're chasing ten and over—I mean, it was just not good enough to to tell the truth. And I'm probably going to cop a lot of hate from all the Rohit fans for this, but it is what it is. And I think you just have to call it out when when you see it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think he started off too slow. I think the idea was there, but I I still think when you when you have a Dhoni in the team. I don't think you need to play that anchor role when you're chasing ten. So that was interesting. But the other thing I wanted to just discuss with both of you is Dinesh Karthik. I mean, he batted very well today, but there was a point where I think India needed twenty of seven balls. No, sorry, twenty-two of seven balls, and it was. It looked like it was pretty much out. Kunal Pandya then hits this beautiful six straight past the bowler's head to get us in a situation where you need sixteen of six. And and let's face it. In a T20, 16 of 6 is still, I think it's a 50-50 chance. So, India was still in with a chance. In the, in the 20th overall, first ball, Karthik takes two runs. Next ball, it's a dot ball. The third ball, Karthik actually mistimes the ball. There is an easy single to be had. Krunal Pandya is almost 90% down the pitch, has to turn around and comes back because... After running, he suddenly sees Karthik putting up his hand and saying, no, go back, I'll manage the next three balls. And Krunal Pandya, to give him credit, he just looked upset for about a couple of seconds, but shook it off immediately. But I don't know, I I think personally that was ridiculous because after that, he, he had no choice but to take a single. He wasn't able to hit it for six. I don't know if Dinesh Karthik thinks he's going to be this last ball hero every time. And I'll say it again, he batted well, but to me, the attitude was just so wrong. And it's not like he was batting with... Kuldeep Yadav, on the other hand, right. So DJ, I'm going to ask you first because you saw it. What is your take generally on that on the on that single being refused?
2: So just to put it out there, I think Karthik batted excellently throughout the game, and and this was a bit of a blip. It was a bit of an error on his part. But we've seen people like Dhoni do that before, right? With Raidu, and what it I think it's it's bad for morale generally. It seems to indicate that listen you're not good enough, you're not going to be able to do it, so leave it to me. And, and uh, I remember Dhoni did that in a game against England, I think, with Raidu at the other end. And he just refused the single and we lost that match and it turned out badly. But I think it was just a miscalculation on his part. He was ba- he was backing himself and all of that stuff. But he didn't need to. I mean, Kunal Pandya is a good batsman in, in his own right. As you've pointed out, he hit a beautiful six off the last ball of the 19th over. And he was batting really well. He was striking it very, very well. Let's put it this way. Not everyone is a Dhoni, right? It's just bad for morale, I think, because it seems to say that you're not good enough to the other batsman, which I don't think is on, especially given he's a he's a proper all-rounder.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't even agree with Dhoni refusing to a guy like Raidu. But Ashwin, I know you didn't see it, but do you agree that it's bad for morale?
0: yeah I, th- I don't think it was the right call but I think it's important to remember finishing is really really hard right and karthik has kind of gotten himself in a position where he's become a finisher and he's shown himself to be one of the one of the top finishers in the world probably at the moment but finishing is really hard so had it come off and had he declined the signal hit a couple sixes off Saudi we would have said what a genius stroke. It, today it didn't come off I don't think it was the right call I think they'll go back to the dressing room and talk about how he should have taken the single but I think it was just in that moment, probably just uh, the this, the belief in himself, which I don't think is a bad thing.
2: But in that scenario, wouldn't you actually try and run two and maybe lose a wicket if you're going to try and keep the strike anyway?
0: Yeah, you probably should. I agree with that. I think that's why denying the signal, the single was just the wrong call today.
2: Especially when Krunal
1: almost ran two.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they'd just gone for it, it was just a lack
2: of clear thinking. And that was quite frustrating. I mean, but also I think what today showed is how much we miss Kohli, right? Like we talked about Rohit's innings, but Kohli is usually the guy who paces the innings for for India, and Rohit tried to play that role, and we saw that he couldn't quite do it. I mean, Kohli plays those beautiful kind of chasing innings where he took us home in the last T20 against Australia. And today, we needed that kind of innings, which is, you play the whole innings, but it's not slow. And Rohit just got out at a really bad time for India, to be honest.
0: Yeah, we may we may never see a chaser with the kind of game awareness of Kohli ever again, just in terms of chasing. Like, there'll be great batsmen who come and go, but the game awareness of him chasing is at a different level. So, I agree with that.
2: Yeah, man. Varun, do you know what Kohli is up to these days? Where is he, dude? I don't know, but I saw some
1: pictures. I think they're on holiday somewhere. But yeah, I also saw a poster in the stand today that said... The, the, that said, one of the spectators is not as interested as Mr. Kohli but he's more interested in Mrs. Kohli and I think everyone was like yeah steady bro like take it easy so that was quite funny anyway Ashwin let me ask you first off for the T20 specifically do you think do you think India got the selection a bit wrong and I say this for a couple of reasons I think what I, couldn't, what I couldn't understand is things like why are we playing Khalil Ahmed again and again when it's quite clear that I think he needs to spend a little bit more time in the local domestic circuit. I couldn't understand the decision to play Dhoni in the T20s. Some people are saying it's to get match practice overseas. And if that was the logic, then why didn't you play Aridu to, to get the match practice? So I was a little baffled by the kind of overall selection, having Vijay Shankar, Vijay Shankar at three, Krunal Pandya as well. So I, I was just trying to understand what, what do you think was going on in, in Rohit Sharma or Shastri's head at that point of time?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And it's, the, the, to your point, there were a lot of uncertainties, not just the one uh, odd decision. I think, look, I don't think they took the T20 series quite too seriously, right? I think they were using it as an opportunity to try out some players, give the players on the fringes a little bit of a shot. So just to go through the players you mentioned, I think Khalil, they made a choice to invest a little bit in him to make sure he gets just enough. You know, we're all victims across the world, but maybe particularly Indian fans of one or two bad games and all of us start shouting that this guy needs to be dropped. I think Khalil has now played close to 10 ODIs and 10 T20s. So it feels like a decent number of of. Outings he got, he's gotten, and now I think it's safe to say, look, the guy needs a little bit more work. Having said that, we talked about on the show, a left armer will always be an asset, and so I, I think that's why they chose to play him. So Khalil, I'm, you know, honestly not the not as surprised about. I don't think he needs to continue, but I think it makes sense that they played him through this series, and they've shown he he needs more work. I think on the batting, I think you know to your point, what you mentioned, I think they are looking to. Test out players before the World Cup. So it wasn't so much about, hey, we need to win this T20 series against New Zealand at all costs. If that was the case, honestly, Kohli would have been playing. But I think it was a good opportunity to try things out. So, I, you know, I thought it was great that Shankar got an opportunity and that he actually took his opportunity for the most part. Same thing with Cronal. You know, the batting order, yes, I agree. Dhoni maybe should not have been there. But I think we're at the point now where Dhoni just kind of calls his own shots. So he probably made the decision saying, look, I want to practice a bit more against the New Zealand bowling lineup. We actually do play against New Zealand in the World Cup too. So he probably made that choice and Shastri and Sharma just agreed. So I think uh, to your point, a little hodgepodge in terms of decision, but not the worst thing to be trying out good combinations before the World Cup.
3: Fair
1: enough. I think. I think. I think that's fair. I think that's that's pretty much probably what the thinking was. And and to be honest, I wasn't disappointed by the T Twenty series loss. I think so long as people got an opportunity, it was interesting. I think couple of things. I just wanted to call out from my side. I, I think I was quite impressed with Vijay Shankar's batting. To be honest, I mean after that Nidha's Trophy, I had kind of completely written him off. But today he was the top scorer for India. He scored forty three. He had some good shots, not slogging. He had some pretty good cricketing shots. He has the famous Hyderabadi wrists of VVS Lakshman and Azhar, it seems, when he hit one of those, you know, balls down the mid- the leg side for a six, I think it was. And the commentators referenced that as well. So, it's interesting Vijay Shankar, Panth, all kind of came good in the little bit of the of a cameo that they played. But what I want to do is, I want to discuss as our next topic, the World Cup squad. And And why I want to do this is because I think we have three opportunities between now and the World Cup for the three of us to discuss. What is that 15-member squad going to look like? Ideally, what I'd like to do is discuss it once today, once after the Australia series, and once midway through the IPL. Just to, for, for our listeners and for three of us to get a sense of, are we changing? Are there really that many open slots? So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to list out probably 10 out of the 15 that I think are certain. If you guys disagree, let me know, and I'll pause after, after each section of, of names that I take. But, but let's see how this goes. So, from a from a bowlers, pace bowler's perspective, I'm going to pick three guys. I'm going to pick Bhuvaneswar Kumar, Jaspreet Bumrah and Mohamed Shami. Right? Those are my three picks. Guys, Any anyone else you would consider as of now, as I'm listing the pace bowlers?
0: No, I think good. That's what I would go with the two.
2: And I agree with that, absolutely. And I think we only actually do need three and not more than that. Because in any on any given day, I think we'll only ever play two quicks.
1: Fair, okay, that's good. So we've got three. We have. I, I've made space for two all-rounders, and I'm going to say Hardik Pandya and Ravindra Jadeja. Any uh, Ashwin? Any disagreement on that?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about Jadeja. So I think the question will be spinning all-rounder versus fast bowling all-rounder, and I think Shankar has made a case. So that's the only disagreement I have there.
2: Okay, fair. I'd I'd also throw Krunal Pandya into the mix with his batting.
0: I would not. I think if we were going to play Kronil in 50 overs, we would have played him now. I don't think he's played much 50 over at all. So yeah,
1: Absolutely. It's too late in my opinion. Okay. Okay. So, and DJ, do you think Vijay Shankar will make a, uh, a place or do you think it's Jadeja? And, and my personal view is Jadeja just because he would be 12th man in every game.
2: Why, why don't we go through all the certainties and see how many spots are left actually before we decide... It sounds
0: like from the three of us, we're saying that the only certainty on an all-rounder is Hardik. So let's go with that then, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that.
1: Yeah. So we've got four slots. So we have the four slots. For the spinners, we've got, I've got two. Of course, Chehal and Kuldeep. I'm guessing you guys don't have a disagreement with this.
0: I'm hoping my namesake, Ashwin, will make a comeback. No, I'm just kidding. We've got Chehal and Kuldeep. fine. No,
2: no disagreement with Kulcha.
1: Okay. So that's six confirmed slots. Let's talk about the top three. Rohit Dhawan and Kohli. I'm not even going to ask you guys if you disagree. So that's <laughs> nine. I personally think that there will, of course, be Dhoni and Kedar Jadav because that's been the kind of trend so far. So we have nine right now. Any disagreement on Dhoni and Kedar? Nope, all good. Not for me. Okay, so that's eleven. If I have my math right, I'm. I think I'm losing count a little bit.
2: Just use your fingers, man.
1: I use my fingers, or should I use that those lines on my fingers?
2: Abacus. Abacus.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, we've got 11 guys confirmed. The World Cup squad is 15. And I think let's let's approach this from the perspective of filling the 15. Now, I was discussing this with somebody earlier today. I'm pretty sure BCCI has the ability to swap in a player midway through the tournament if they have a niggle or an injury. But let's not get to that right now. So, we've got four slots left. The guys in contention for me are Jadeja, Raidu… Dinesh Karthik. So, that's my three out of the four. And the fourth one is genuinely open right now. Ashwin, let me ask you, who are your four right now?
0: So, I would agree with Riyadu. I'd agree with Karthik. I think those two are certainties because the middle order, like we only have five batsmen, including Dhoni and Kedar right now. So, I think Riyadu and Karthik confirmed. I think Shankar will get the nod. I think they'll play him more through the Australia series as well, just to see if he can keep his form up. But I think he'll get the nod because... One fast bowling all rounder in England may may just not be enough. So I think those are my three confirmed: Raidu, Karthik, and Shankar.
2: Okay, DJ. So you've got Raidu, Karthik. So wait, so you're
1: saying Raidu and Karthik for sure, right?
2: Raidu and Karthik for sure, and then you've got two more slots, which I think Shankar. Given we've been playing him in the in the in New, in the New Zealand series, and he's been batting well, and he's a seeming all rounder rather than a spinning all rounder. Okay. So I think. Shankar might get it, but then that leaves the question of who else are you going to add to the squad. And I think you need a little bit of backup for the spinners because you you've got Kedar as a backup spinner, but you haven't got a front line, You haven't got a third front line spinner. And I think that's where Jadeja makes it into the squad for me. So I think it's Raidu, Karthik, Jadeja, and Shankar that take the four slots for me now. So those
1: are your four. So you filled it. Ashwin, who's your fourth guy if you had to pick?
0: I think I'm going with a batsman, and I think it's going to be Pant. And I think just be, just the kind of maverick power hitting he brings I think they they might opt with that
1: okay fair I think I think it's going to be Jadeja for the for the 14th and I think the 15th actually they're going to either take an extra pacer or an extra opener so as much as I love Panth, and I think everyone knows that if they follow our show, I think Pant is not going to go to the World Cup. But I think it's going to be between an extra pace bowler or an extra opener. I don't know if that's going to be Rahul. I don't know if Rahane comes back into the mix. I don't know if Khalil or Umesh Yadav are taken.
2: But, but this is interesting, right? Why can't Pant open the batting? He used to open the batting at under-19 level, right? And he bats three in IPL and he bats fairly up high up in the order. So, I mean... I'd back Punt to be the reserve opener, really. I mean, he's got limited over, he's got pedigree.
1: Maybe. I, I don't see that happening, but I, I don't know how the how the team will think. I just think that with 90 days to go or so, it's 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 very hard to kind of ask somebody to kind of suddenly open the batting in a World Cup. So that's why I think it's gonna be hard. I am the person who wants to see Punt play the most. But I think it's it's going to be tough. So, fair, it's interesting. Let's see how the Australia series goes. I think the toss-up is Jadeja, Shankar. Part of me feels that maybe Dinesh Karting and Raidu, only one of them will actually get a slot in the final 15. But yeah, but I think it'll be interesting. So, what we'll do for the listeners is, at the end of the Australia series, both T20s and ODIs, we'll do this again. And we'll see how much the, the squad of 15 for the three of us has changed. I think 11 out of 15, all of us are sure about. Or rather, I would say 13 is what we all agreed upon with Drido and DK. The last two slots, let's see how it goes. So we'll we'll do that again in a month. All right, let's 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 move on to the women's cricket, India versus New Zealand. So Ashwin, do you want to give us a little bit of a summary on this?
0: Yeah, so interesting series. You know, interestingly, I'd say the T20 series that just concluded was probably a lot closer matches than the men's series. So just to wrap up quickly, we, uh, you know, I had Anesha on the show last week when we had wrapped up the ODI series. So India took that series 2-1, but they won the first two matches and then lost the third and then went on to lose all three T20 matches. I think, I think what was interesting about the T20 series is, like I said, two of the three matches went down to the last ball with New Zealand chasing, and they managed to get to victory on the last ball, including the one that just happened today. And the third one was you know, around about a 20 run margin. So, you know, overall, I just want, I'm not going to go through details of each game. I just wanted to say what I found really interesting about the series is, you know, there seems to be a massive divide between the players in the Indian side who are performing and those who aren't. And essentially what that is to say is like the men's team kind of was in the 80s and to an extent early 90s, it feels like this team is being carried by four or five players, right? At the top, you have Smriti Mandana and Jemima Rodriguez, who seemed like they were playing at a different level. Like it was almost like they were playing international level cricket and some of the other batters were playing, uh, you know club cricket so those two were perf- absolutely brilliant both very very young so really exciting prospects for the future i think from a bowler standpoint you had the ya- punam yadav and radha yadav both doing pretty well Deepti sharma had a decent series and then when she played you had jhulan goswami uh, bowling really well but she's obviously one of the legends of the game so i think the big questions you know a 3-0 loss in the t20 series is never good but it's important to remember that Two of those three matches, they lost on the last ball. So it's not so much about talent or skill. It's about kind of that big level, big game international level experience and bringing that out when it matters. So I'm pretty encouraged by the series, despite the scoreline. This is kind of why I think there needs to be more domestic cricket. There needs to be a women's IPL, et cetera, just to help make sure there's enough talent so you're not constantly relying on the same two or three players. But overall, despite the scoreline, it's a pretty good series for the Indian women's team.
1: Perfect. Thanks. Thanks for that. And I don't know, Ashwin, if you know, but I think I saw something that says there is a women's IPL or at least there's going to be a few games. Do you know, do you know anything about that?
0: Yeah. So we kind of talked about this on in episode 45 with Anisha Ghosh, where she was predicting something will happen this year. And absolutely, she turned out right. It's not a full women's IPL, but they're going to be playing some exhibition matches. They haven't exactly confirmed how many. I believe they played one in the 2018 IPL and it was a success. So they're playing a few this time. So obviously the BCCI is kind of stepping their way there. Uh, so there'll be a few exhibition ga- women's exhibition games taking place during the IPL, probably at the same stadiums at some of the the IPL men's games so just to make sure there are enough eyeballs and enough of a crowd and so we'll we'll keep reporting on that closer to when it happens I don't think they've released too much information on it just yet just the announcement
1: great okay it sounds good and just before we wrap up the New Zealand um, series discussion DJ I want to ask you I think you had sent us a link on Crickinfo which just titled Wake Up New Zealand and Me Too posters appear at Eden Park so is this the first time we're kind of seeing this this kind of thing at a stadium I mean it's it's rampant in Hollywood, Bollywood. I personally haven't seen this in a stadium before. Have you?
2: No, I haven't actually seen it myself. The Me Too posters appeared in Eden Park and they were in response to kind of Scott Kugelian's participation in the in the New Zealand series. I think it's the first time that he was playing at home after his trial and acquittal on a rape charge in 2017. And the... Posters first appeared in Wellington which said no means no and they're trying to make a point the woman holding the banner was ejected under the um, New Zealand cricket's policy of not allowing signage to target particular players and then later the the New Zealand cricket uh, spokesperson came out and said maybe we overreacted and all of that stuff and what I actually found very interesting is that the president of New Zealand cricket is Ms. Hockley who's The first president in its 122-year history who's a female, and all of this has kind of been happening in that background, and it's a tricky situation because obviously he has been tried and he has been acquitted, but I think people were trying to make a point. We saw that happen at uh, at Eden Park as well as Wellington, so I don't know whether we're going to see more and more of this, but we are with awareness growing about these issues and having cricketers involved in things like this. You had a recent trial of a county cricketer in England who was tried again on, on a rape charge recently Ben was acquitted and there was quite a lot of coverage about that. We'll see whether this kind of grows, but um, the issue is there. Fair
1: enough. Thanks. I think that was a pretty good summary. And yeah, it, it, it has been creeping up the last one month or so, especially with the Hardik Pandya incidents, the Rahul Jory piece. So it'll be interesting to see if there's, if there's anything further that comes up. So on that note, we're just going to take a short break and we'll be right
0: back. And now for a message from this week's sponsor of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast, Anchor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When the three of us started on this journey, we really didn't know where to begin, but the solution was all in one place, Anchor. It's free, it's easy, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. You can record, you can edit, and best of all, they'll distribute your podcast everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Oh, And I almost forgot to mention, you can even make some money from your podcast by recording ads just like this one. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thanks for listening. Here's a message from this week's sponsor of the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast. Beach Too Sandy, Water Too Wet is a comedy podcast featuring siblings Christine and Alex who read one-star reviews they can find on the internet of anything and everything, written by real people with not-so-real problems bad reviews of grocery stores in Ohio to strip clubs in Vegas, Alex and Christine read you some of the worst reviews in the most dramatic ways possible. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also find them on all social media platforms at Beach2Sandy. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, welcome back everyone. So we just wrapped up the India-New Zealand series discussion. DJ, I'm going to come to you about the England-West Indies series. I think It's been a series that shocked me for sure. I did not expect West Indies to have done so well. The third test is going on right now and West Indies is 2-0 up in the test series. And might I add, they've not been kind of close victories. The first game, West Indies won by 381 runs. The second game, they won by 10 wickets. I don't know what happens. I think when West Indies wins and wins so emphatically, there's a certain emotion in a lot of us that, that, that love cricket that just kind of want to see them succeed and want to see them win. And I think it's been great. So DJ thoughts on the england west indies
2: series i'm going to say something slightly controversial here but i love the west indies winning i especially love them beating england i even didn't mind it when we lost to them in the world t20 semi-final because there's such a bunch of lovable characters i mean test cricket cricket at large needs the west indies right everybody knows west indies are the champions and it's just it was brilliant to watch 381 runs 10 wickets Big crowds, big crowds at the Test cricket in the West Indies. And I mean, they played some fantastic cricket. They finished off the second Test match with a six. And I mean, it's just good to see Test cricket making a comeback in the West Indies. It's been so long. I mean, when we were growing up, they were a strong team. You had Courtney Walsh, you had Brian Lara, you had Kirtley Ambrose. You had all sorts of quick bowlers. You had Jimmy Adams. You had Carl Hooper in that famous floppy hat of his. And I mean... And a generation even before that, they were world beaters. I mean, no one could, they didn't lose a series for 15 years, right? And I mean, for a team to dominate a sport like that is unheard of. 15 years without losing a series is just crazy. And I mean, you've had things like Fire in Babylon made about the West Indian fast bowlers and stuff like that. And it's just great to see. There's so much history between the West Indies and England with Tony Gregg saying things like, we're going to make them grovel and Tony Gregg being a a white South African. And then they beat them 5-1 in that series. So there's a lot of history between these two teams. And you have to remember that the last time England actually won out there was in 2004. So it's not an easy place for them to win there. And I think they were taken slightly by surprise. They beat India at home. They beat a very, very weak Sri Lanka overseas. And they just expected to sweep aside this West Indian team. And the West Indian team said, you know what, we're going to stand up and we're going to show you what we're made of. And I've really enjoyed seeing what's happened. As we speak right now, the score in the third test is 262 for six in St. Lucia. And Ben Stokes has got out for 79. Josh Josh Butler got out for 67. They were the overnight batsmen. So you've got best and Ali batting right now. And I mean, the West Indies have done really well. And it's just great to see that for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I said it's just, it's very exciting. And I think you're right, The the only team I would have been okay for us to lose Twenty World at the T20 World Cup was probably West Indies. Didn't feel as bad about it. But DJ, you mentioned Stokes. And again, there was a very interesting article about the new no-ball rule. And basically, to summarize, I think typically when a batsman gets out, if he was to leave the field, that's it. That's the end of the play. There's no chance of the batsman coming back. But I think there was a rule that was implemented that said that if the umpire deems that the batsman is actually not out he can be called back even after being off the field or beyond the boundary rope so it was interesting to see Stokes kind of talk about it and I think he joked saying that he was just happy that he hadn't taken his pants off and he had to get back into the zone of the game but DJ interesting interesting for you to see this change
2: yeah so as a lawyer I, I enjoyed the uh, change in the law it was I think April 2017 where The MCC, which governs the laws of the game, decided to change the particular law to say if the batsman has actually left the field of play under the misapprehension that he's out, he can be called back before the next ball is bowled. That is so. In this case, it was quite interesting that Johnny Best had actually come out; he'd started taking guard before they realized that alzari Joseph had bowled a no-ball, and that and that came up because they showed it on the big screen, so the crowd and uh, the England players saw it as well and. That is when Stokes, who left the field of play and was going in the pavilion. As he said, I think he was glad he hadn't taken his trousers off. Uh, he was actually called back onto the field of play. I think he was just 52 at the time. It was about the 70th over of the innings. And Best actually had to, who would come out and started taking guard, had to go back into the pavilion. So it was a slightly absurd situation. But I think good that the right decision was reached. I think it's a good change to the rule. The MCC has come up with some interesting changes to the, uh, to the rules of late. They've Things like where the bat hits the ground and bounces up won't be given out. So it's just common sense prevailing. And actually making the right decision is becoming more and more important. Absolutely.
1: And I think the last point on this that I wanted to ask, maybe Ashwin, I'll come to you, is Jason Holder is not playing the third game for a slow overrate, right? So he's got banned from the third game. How how crazy do you think that is?
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very bizarre. Look, I understand how they've tried lots of different things to try to keep overrate up in the game. Um, you know, over the years, they've tried. I think they've proposed a run penalty. They've proposed all sorts of fines, and they they made the fa- fines an obscenely high amount, and still, it didn't matter. So, we've seen like Faaf Tupliisi and other players get banned for over it in the in the recent years. I think where this one got interesting for any listeners who are wondering is because West Indies managed to wrap up the match in three days. So, for me, I think over it comes into it comes into play if you weren't able to finish the match in the allotted time, or it ended up in a draw, or you know, or if even like rain came in and then the other side can say, Well, we didn't get to bad enough overs, et cetera, et cetera. I think when the match wraps up within three days, there has to be an exception to the rule. So I thought that was pretty disappointing that they stayed as rigid as they did. Or, you know, I, I, I understand they have to stick to the rule. So maybe they need to be clearer saying if it doesn't impact the outcome of the game, then it's not quite as important. Having said that, I think it's important to note that there are some schools of thought that believe Holder deliberately bowled a slow over, right? He deliberately took his time because he was one bowler short. And so, he, you know, it's pretty easy to get through 76, 77 overs in a day with four bowlers. It's not easy to do it, do the full 90 with four overs. So if that's the case, then I agree uh, you know, we'll never know quite what intent was. And I think it should be, again, safe that the match wrapped up early. But I think if really that was the case, that it was a strategic call to bowl slowly so that you could preserve your bowlers and not have them to make, um, them work more, then that's pretty disappointing to see. So that's just my take on the situation.
1: Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think I kind of agree with you. I think, unfortunately, a rule is a rule. So I think that's what ICC had to follow. But it was a bit bizarre. And um, yeah, and talking about West Indies, I don't know, have either of you heard bravo's new song called asia
0: no man i have not you haven't
1: oh my god okay it's it's very interesting it's very deep lyrics and um it's essentially a take on champion where he just basically keeps saying the word asia and um and he's weaved in all cricketers as well so he's kind of got Kohli. he mentions dhoni he mentions afridi and afridi tweeted immediately when he heard saying thank you champion for putting my name into this song. I think it's a better song because my name is there and so it's pretty interesting. I think if you haven't heard it, go check it out and I'm pretty sure the IPL is going to be now full of this new song called Asia.
2: I'm just looking at Afridi's tweet actually. It says, well, DJ Bravo, this is definitely an improvement on the champion song. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that's a bit of a diss to the champion song, which is pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, I I was just looking for the song. I just want to play one minute of or or 10 seconds of it for you to guys get a sense of what it is.
2: And
1: (laughs) And that's pretty much the whole song.
0: That is awesome. I can just say Babo may not be the most talented musician, but boy, is he a good marketing guy. Like to your point, this is going to be playing everywhere. So name dropping all his buddies. It's fantastic.
1: Absolutely. And just the
0: India part as well. So
1: He's got Kohli in there. He's got Dhoni in there. I think this is going to be
2: the idea. Dude, he needs to get Pandya in there because he's a little bit from black side.
1: And he likes to see how...
2: What is going on? Why? why Where's Pandya?
1: Pandya has not made it. I think maybe the recent controversy, he hasn't made it. But, but Pandya is anywhere from Jamaica anyway. So, it doesn't really matter. I think this is more an international song.
2: Or Jumri Talaiya.
1: Or Jumri Talaiya.
2: <laughs> Jumri Talaiya to Jamaica.
1: <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Do check out the song. And last topic from my side today. Very quickly, Ashwin. Australia World Cup squad discussion. So, I don't know. I, I've read two things in the last uh, couple of days that have been interesting. Five days ago, I read something that said Smith is going to miss out on the World Cup. He's going to have a staggered entry into the World Cup. Um, two days ago, I read that his elbow surgery and elbow injury treatment has gone on well and he looks fit to come back for the World Cup. So So that's the first one that I wanted to get your thought on. Secondly, they've appointed Ponting to help out with the World Cup squad. And I think Ponting has made statements saying that, you know, he thinks India and England are the favorites, but he he thinks Australia can win in England. He thinks Smith and Warner coming back will really boost the side. And I guess there's two schools of thought, right? That one is let Justin Langer manage it. And this is his team. It's for him to deal with the way he wants. But the other school of thought is that Langer needs all the help he can get right now. So, Ashwin, thoughts on both these?
0: Yeah, I don't see the harm in on your second one first. I don't see the harm in bringing in more cricketing brains. I'm not sure how good a coach Ponting is. I mean, he had his he's had a run in the IPL with Mumbai and then with Delhi and not had too too much success there, but I like I think any brains can help with the World Cup as long as it's really clear who is the final decision maker. And Australia and people like John Buchanan have struggled with this in the past. Australia have two vice-captains they've had you know, Buchanan tried four captains in KKR. And so that that stuff gets really bizarre. As long as Langer is the final decision maker, I think it couldn't hurt to get Ponting in. It'll be interesting to see how Ponting watches the IPL and the Australian players in the IPL because he'll be at every Delhi game. And so that'll be really fascinating to see how he uses that to see who who he can launch into the World Cup side. Uh, on your first question on Smith, I'm not going to say too much. I just think there's not enough information out there. And given the, the hot commodity Smith is and Smith and Warner both are, there's going to be lots and lots of conversation. I'm, I'm with you. The, re- the most recent report I read said his elbow surgery went well. I think it, what remains to be seen is how they get back to international level match fitness after having been away from a year, but they've been playing club cricket and league cricket all around the world. So I don't, I, I have very little doubt that Smith and Warner will both be back in the side on March 29th, maybe right midway through the Pakistan series. Awesome
1: yeah and yeah i just saw sharjah has been reinstated as a as a venue for that series as well so that will bring back some memories yeah interesting you talked about the 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 ponting angle i just think it's funny now if you've got like three captains four vice captains two coaches i would feel really bad if i didn't have any of these titles and i was playing for australia right now <laughs> so <laughs> But anyway so let's so, so that's all we have in terms of discussion i'm going to pass it on to ashwin to talk about the the twitter quiz segment
0: yeah so this week we tried a listener quiz on twitter we posted the question online who is india's most successful number 7 batsman ever in terms of total number of runs part 1 in tests part 2 in odis so really interesting we got a lot of submissions many folks were pretty close we had some folks guessing raina we had some guessing jadeja we had one guess of ravi shastri um and, but in the end, we had three or four people actually get it correct uh, altogether. So we had Saurabh Jain. Then we had Karthik Jayaraman. We had a Twitter handle called at Cricket Diet, who I'm not, not sure if we should give credit because they obviously Googled, but it is what it is. Uh, and then we had Peter Gate at Visit Piyush. All get it right. And the correct answer is India's highest n- number seven run score in tests is MS Zoni. Uh, and he scored 10 more runs than Kapil Dev, So very, very close, but he's at the top right now. And India's best, most successful number seven in ODIs is Dave, who has scored about 100 more runs than Dhoni. So that's pretty much it. We had a great time doing the quiz. We are actually going to try out, I'm going to ask another question for all our listeners um, to see if we can make this a recurring thing. So this week's listener quiz question is, who are the only two Indian batsmen to score 100 runs before lunch in Test cricket. So on any day of a Test match, to get to 100 runs before the lunchtime break, uh, who are the only two Indian batsmen to have done that in the history of the game? Send us a direct message on Twitter. If you are listening to this and you have a guest, send it in and we'll answer it on next week's show.
2: And the innings has to start within the session, right? It's basically scoring a a century in the pre-lunch session on any given day.
0: It's scoring a hundred runs. It's not necessarily scoring the century, right? So it's scoring a hundred runs in the first session of a day's play before lunch. Interesting. Okay. It's quite a hard question. Though. Yeah. Cause I realized <laughs> how many people got the number seven question correct. So I said, let's dial up the difficulty a little. So let's see how this one does. So don't forget, guys, re- send us a message on Twitter at one tip one hand uh, or on Facebook.com slash one tip one hand, Instagram at one tip one hand. Or if you don't use any of those social media networks, but still listen, then you can always shoot us an email that's contact at one tip one hand.com with the answer to this week's question
1: perfect thanks ashwin so that that should be interesting to see what kind of answers we get and we'll talk about that uh, in our next week's episode and yeah as we sign off dj had tweeted this week saying if you want some good karma tell us tell tell your friends about this podcast so go ahead ashwin's mentioned all the channels that we are on as well so yeah tell tell people about the podcast and that's the way that we'll grow thank
3: you everyone Hello, hello, everybody. It's been another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On What the Hell Navya, Jai Bachchan, Nanda and Navya herself dish out stories from their childhood. They discuss tough love between parents and their kids. On Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Bhaman Irani, President-elect Credai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shaj Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a Padyatra. On The Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on The Filter Coffee podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi senior ambassador of the TEDx program and curator of TEDx Gateway, They discuss the origin story of TED and his franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVMPodcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible.
1: Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IVM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from.
3: Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not, get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website, or wherever you get your podcast from.